when I see that something needs to be done, I try to show up, I try to stand up, and I try to speak up. Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of the Scenic View podcast. We have the elections coming up, so we have some of our endorsed candidates coming in to give us their spiel, if you will. Joining me today, as always, is Artis Watkins, the executive director of Scenic. I'm Jonathan Owens, the communications director. So, Artis, give me your thoughts on these special editions that we're doing. I think it's an amazing thing to have this tool available because sometimes people, they get so much to read, and it's overwhelming this time of year. Primary voting starts February 15th. It lasts until March 2nd with the primary election on March 5th. And so I hope people can take just a few minutes and listen to this podcast and hear what the candidates for some of the things we think are the most important offices in this state with regard to state employees and retirees. See what those folks have to say. And of course, our first victim, if you will, is State Treasurer Dale Falwell, a hero of scenic for quite a few years now. I think he's had our endorsement three terms in a row. He has. Uh, we've endorsed him for governor now. We've already conducted the interview. Do you want to talk about anything about that? Or? Well, I think I'm sure it was a, a no-brainer for our PAC impact because Treasurer Falwell has been true to his word at fighting for state employees and retirees, mainly around transparency in our retirement fund and our health plan. Why that matters is that it's money out of your pocket when it's not transparent. It's money to Wall Street pockets. It's money to big corporate health care pockets. But that money has to come from somewhere. And even if it comes from the General Assembly, that means it doesn't end up in your pocket in terms of a raise or a cost of living adjustment if you're a retiree. So it's a critical job he has held. He's done an extraordinary job of it from the standpoint of state employees and retirees. So I think it was a no-brainer when he's running in this gubernatorial primary. Yeah, I have a feeling these may be among our most listened to podcasts and possibly some outside the membership will be listening as well. I hope so, because the thing about our pack that's so interesting is that they are so good at predicting winners. I think it's because our, our members make the decisions politically around here. Mm-hmm. It's not staff sitting around deciding who we're endorsing. And our members are from all 100 counties in North Carolina. They have their finger on the pulse and they represent North Carolina. Yeah, maybe we even made made a little news. You have to listen to find out. We may have, we may have said something that may wind up on the news or something. <laughs> oh, goodness. I hope not. <laughs> so, yeah, so Dale's coming in and we're, we're going to interview him here and I hope you enjoy the, the interview. All right, let's go. And, and for those of you who don't know, when we say impact around here, we're talking about the same kind of thing that you see a lot of big corporate interests have. They have PACs, they have political action committees, and impact is the State Employees Association version of that. So we're not, you know, we're made up of small dollar donations from regular working people and retirees, but we're doing the same thing. We're trying to raise money for people we believe in so that we can help support those campaigns. We're pleased to be joined today by State Treasurer Dale Falwell, the candidate for governor, and he has been endorsed by MPAC for the third straight time. For the third straight time. He's been our hero for eight years now. We'll expect more in the future. 
So, Dale, welcome to the podcast. Well, glad to be here and happy Valentine's Day. And I heard there's a donut awaiting my exit in the event I do a good enough job. Yeah, we do. We do a lot of donuts around here. Artists surprised everyone this morning. You know, it's sweet treats for a special day. Well, Dale, in honor of of Valentine's Day, I do have to say that you have broken a lot of hearts around Scenic by choosing to run for governor. Not that we don't want you to be governor, but we love you as state treasurer. Uh, The state treasurer is a very important office for state employees and retirees, as you well know. So what are your thoughts on that situation and what made you want to run for governor? Well, number one, I'm not in the business of breaking hearts. So, but I've been honored to have have had an open heart and open mind and an open door to scenic. And it's been a real honor to be the state treasurer of North Carolina. But the fact is, there's a lot more that needs to be fixed. Uh, The governor is responsible for the largest group of state employees in the state of North Carolina and the CEO of the biggest business in the state. And I look forward to governing. The root word of governor is to govern and to push the power down to the state employees who have helped me at every step of my public service career reforming division employment security, being the keeper of the public purse, even as a legislator in drafting bills that save lives, minds, and money. So I look forward to taking those talents, and those talents are based on the fact that I'm standing on the shoulders of state employees and taking those to the Falwell administration. We will have a culture of conservatism, which means to save, common sense, which is not so common, courtesy, which means answering your telephones, humility, which means when mistakes happen, you disclose them and you're transparent about them, and ethics. Ethics is what you do when no one's watching. I've been the best state treasurer money came by. I'll be the best governor money came by because when I take those oaths and those loyalties to the office, it's all about those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve and taxpayers like them. So I know, having talked to you so many times over the last seven years, that you genuinely stay up at night. People say that all the time. I stay up. Oh, these things keep me up at night. You literally stay up at night thinking about these things. You're over there first thing in the morning at the treasurer's office, and you're still perking on these issues at night because you care about all of the people that office serves. Mm -hmm. And our state employees and retirees happen to be a big chunk of those people. So what has given you that fire, you think, for those particular issues? Well, the glory of the energy level that I have at my age, it goes to God above. But I'm not the most hateful person in this race. I'm not the richest. I'm not the tallest. But I'm the one who can actually take the talents that God gave me, which is the vision to see what needs to be seen, the humility to listen for what needs to be heard. And artists, when we talk about hearing, what's wrong with our society right now is that people are listening to react. Mm Mm-hmm. They need to be listening to understand. And that's what I've done as treasurer. And of course, the heart, the courage, not the rage. Once you see what needs to be done, once you hear what needs to be done, you have to have the courage to fix that. So what really drives me is is to continue to take advantage of those skills. And in addition to, the, to that, my skills as a blue collar person who had to make my living with my hands and my back and my feet, like so many state employees do. And finally, my answer to your question is simply this. God's not chewing on his fingernails about whether I'm going to be the next governor or not, because he knows. So my comfort with all this is that I know who I am, I know who I love, and I know who I belong to. And that gives me a great degree of freedom to just take advantage of the skills that have been poured into me over the years. And I said lastly, but this is last. My job and the thing I'm most proud of on behalf of Scenic is to advocate for the invisible. There are many state employees that don't know that I'm the treasurer, don't know that the treasurer is really involved in all the things that we do. That's not what's important. What's important is we know who they are, that we know 
behind their faith and behind their family, behind their relationship and their personal health, the two most important things in their life are the safety and security of their state pension, their state health plan. We've always taken that very seriously. And I think one of the questions that we're getting from folks is what's the main thing that Treasurer Falwell thinks needs to be fixed? And what would he do if he were governor? The main thing that needs to be fixed is to restore a culture of customer service to state government. No one calls state government to book a cruise. They call because they haven't gotten their tax return. They're having problems with foster care, DHHS, Diener, DMV, Board of Elections, DOT. They call the state government because they have a problem. And as a former motorcycle mechanic, you can't fix a motorcycle unless you can see it, unless you can hear it. And if we're not answering our phones at state government, that means we're not hearing from our customers. And if we're not hearing from our customers, that means that we don't know what the problem is. And if we don't know what the problem is, that means that we can't solve the problem. So having a culture of customer service is something that I'm most excited about. Now, why is that so important to me to come up as the first thing on my mind? Because I've experienced this as a legislator and as the secretary in charge of the Division of Employment Security. That inherited a system, pardon my French, that sucked. Mm -hmm. We had the lowest quality scores in the United States behind Guam and Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, we owe the federal government $2.7 billion. We can talk about the taxpayers, thumbs up. We can talk about the legislature giving me the tools I needed. But the untold story of reforming the unemployment system in North Carolina rests squarely on the ideas and the energy of the state employees who worked at that division, many of whom had had ideas for decades, years, and no one had ever listened to them. We put those in place. So the funnest part of being the governor is, number one, it's fun to conserve. It's fun to save. All of you have friends who brag about how much they save on certain things, and it's fun to fix. And I think when state employees see how broken some of these systems are, like the backlog at the crime lab and all these other kinds of things, they take it personally, and they want somebody who's going to stand behind them to get the right outcome. This is what's so exciting. So, Dale, I'm going to ask you a candid question. I have been privileged to see lots of Dale speeches in my mm -hmm. time here at Scenic. Uh, you've spoken to our convention several times. Uh, my dad asked me what you're like, and he's and I told him you're a personable guy, fun to be around, but you're also a very serious person. Mm -hmm. Your speeches are serious. They come with facts. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy what you're saying and, and how you explain things. How frustrating is it to be in a race with a person who possibly isn't as serious? What are your thoughts on how the race is shaping up, and is that frustrating? It would be if I did not know who I was and who I love and who I belong to. But it is frustrating when you have an individual who is history's latest example of someone who's trying to rise to power by telling people who to hate. It is frustrating when the taxpayers are paying for this person to show up for his job. We're talking about the Lieutenant Governor, Mark Robinson, and he missed 90% of the sessions last year. There's not a scenic member or a state employee who could keep their job by showing up for 10% of their work, even when they have four highway patrol assigned to them to make sure that they get to work. <laughs> and I said the other day, put it out on a tweet, I said, hell froze over because I actually saw the lieutenant governor at a community college board meeting. It's the first time I'd seen him in his four-year term. So we're talking about an individual who's really accustomed to not showing up for a job interview because he is accustomed to not showing up for his job to start with. And so, now I'm reading y'all aren't going to debate. 
Uh, every single debate, Spectrum TV, PBS, and WREL, all those have been canceled. Mark Robinson was in Macon County with me, Franklin, North Carolina, last week at the same time in the same building and refused to debate. And it was two hours late. So he's turned Hollywood and he's become this warrior for I don't know what. But the fact is, is that people just want their problems fixed. And I appreciate you mentioning about my humor. The New York Times says that my humor is well hidden. <laughs> so I'm glad that you've been able to describe that to your dad. But this is serious. Business. I don't know how I could tell the scenic members that behind their faith and behind their health and behind their family, the two most important things in their lives are things that we have responsibility for. I don't know why I shouldn't be taking that seriously. Mm -hmm. And also believe that you can't manage what you can't measure. And that's why I try the best I can at the scenic conventions or any other type of podcast that we would do to try to explain things, not emotionally or politically, but mathematically. So the people you've taken on, though, or the corporate entities you've taken on include some of the biggest forces in this country, big corporate health care entities, the Wall Street, mm -hmm. you know, private equity hedge fund types who have untold dollars to spend against anybody that wants to hold them to account. You think you can win having come after folks like that to hold them to account, not to do something bad to them, but just to hold them to account? It seems in the words of former Congressman John Lewis, since we are in Black History Month, that where he says it's OK to get into good trouble, I seem to get in good trouble every day. <laughs> it's the blood that runs through me is Quaker, and one of the spices of the Quaker religion is to be fair and just. So once I see something, I can't unsee it. And when I see that something needs to be done, I try to show up, I try to stand up, and I try to speak. Up. Now, I can quantify that I seem to have made all the right enemies because the first year I was the treasurer, I got 65 Christmas cards. And the second year I was the state treasurer, I got five Christmas cards. <laughs> and two of those were to deceased treasurers, so I only got three Christmas cards. <laughs> but my point of saying that to you is that I'm the only person in the United States who called for Larry Fink to be fired as he was trying well, tell to— tell people who Larry Fink Larry is. Larry Fink is the head of BlackRock, who manages money for the retirees and has done for, so for decades. Uh, because of his attempts to politicize the money that does not belong to him, it belongs to those that teach, protect, and otherwise serve, and taxpayers like them. So we've been able to cut $700 million in Wall Street fees out of the pension plan, which is now making our pension plan the most efficient in North America two years in a row. Your listeners should care about that because every dollar that's inefficiently sent to Wall Street is a dollar that can never be used for a benefit. We've taken on the big health care cartel because they continue to defy the presidential executive orders, both Trump and Biden, and not telling people what things cost, then they will break your kneecaps if you don't pay your bill or maybe even put a lien on your house. And that's important because not a person listening to this call consumes health care, consumes them. It's the only thing in their life where they don't know the price and the value of what they're getting, even if they've consumed it. And insurance companies were in, were in court this week. Blue Cross Blue Shield is suing us. The audacity Based on their customer service, the audacity for us to put a contract out for bid that they've had for 43 years. It wasn't for bid at all for the vast majority of those 43 years. It was just That's given. right. And I thought we had a productive conversation with President Tunde Satunde and the chairman after that a contract was awarded to Aetna. And we agreed that we were just going to finish our relationship strong. Yeah. But they turned right around and they're suing till they're blue. And we're spending millions and millions of dollars of taxpayer money and state employees money defending this lawsuit. Since 
Since we made this decision, Blue Cross Blue Shield lost their second biggest customer, BB&T Truist. Since we've made this decision, the fourth biggest customer in North Carolina went to Aetna. So not only is the state health plan with Aetna, now BB&T Truist is with Aetna and the League of Municipalities is with Aetna. Okay. So the fact is, is that I think the bold decision to follow the process that the state health plan board did, and when the scores came down to award that contract to Aetna, I think it put a lot of sunshine on how horrific the customer service has been for Blue Cross for quite a few years now. So you just used the word sunshine, and previously you made a comment. I just want to make sure the listeners know that when you say there's not, people don't know what they're paying for health care, and there is no sunshine, most people don't understand that the state health plan doesn't negotiate these rates that you use your third-party administrator, in this case, mm-hmm. it's Blue Cross right now, it's getting ready to be Aetna, to negotiate on your behalf, and then you really don't know what you're paying. Different hospitals, different doctors, and you pushed hard for a change in that, to put a cap on how much could be spent so that hospitals could make a profit, Mm -hmm. but not maybe four and five times the amount of profit that was deemed reasonable by the industry. Well, let's put this in context. We offer them their nonprofits 100% profit. Yeah. And we found some things were were being charged five, six hundred percent of Medicare reimbursement rates. It's just a serious issue. And the fact that we've been able to freeze family premiums for seven years and individual premiums for six years, it's just the result of the heroics of the people at State Health Plan and the fantastic negotiation that we had for our Medicare retirees at no premium to them and no cost to the taxpayers. So we always are focused on the pennies and the paper clips, but we're also focused on figuring out what's right, getting it right, and keeping it right. So going back to the premise of this question about taking on the powerful groups. I don't skip to work thinking about who, what powerful group I can make mad today. Anyone who's interested in partnering with me as, as the state treasurer or the treasurer's office to bring the highest value for the lowest cost on health care, prescription drugs, insurance contracts, or Wall Street fees, those are people that I want to always partner with, and that's exactly what we've done. Well, I think it's meant the world to state employees and retirees, though, people whose salary is publicly posted for the world to see, to see that the fact that the salaries, what we're paying to folks who are managing their health care and investing their money on Wall Street has been kept secret by the government. Mm-hmm. Like the government has protected the, you know, the financial information mm-hmm. yeah, of folks who are rolling in money. So they don't understand why their stuff should be public, but, but not these big corporations that control their benefits. So it has meant the world to them that you and the folks in your office have stood up for transparency. So it's not just state employees' information. I had a really long day. Every day is 5 a.m. till midnight. And I was coming out of Macon County, Franklin, had two more stops, one in near Marion, and then something else somebody asked me to stop in in Morganton. Really tired, and I'll make this very quick. I walked in this gala that someone was having for their behalf. It was really nicely decorated in Morganton, North Carolina. And as I was getting ready to leave, this guy came up to me and gave me this biggest hug. He said, we've never met. But six years ago, when my father passed away as a local employee, I had to call you. And you said this to me. Sir, your father's not dead. He said, well, yes, he's dead. I buried him. I said, he's not dead because we're talking about him right now. Yeah. yeah. He, he said, I never forgot that. He said, that shows the humanity that you bring to the office of state treasurer. And I never thought I'd get a chance to meet you and tell you that in person, how much that meant. So this culture that we're going to bring to the governor's office is going to be about humanity and humility. And that impacts all the negotiations and all the topics that we could ever talk about. And I think those moments are the ones that make it worth it, I'm yeah. assuming. 
So, Mr. Treasurer, mm-hmm. scenic members know you well. They know what you can do as a leader in the state treasurer's role. How can they help you get to the governor's mansion? Number one is that I want them to know that there are no gaps between my personal life, my bank account, my campaign life, and my public service life. And I say that because it just seems like, especially for the last 20 years, that people have had to vote against someone instead of for someone else. And I'm asking them to vote for me. If they want to support me, they can early vote or go vote on Election Day. The people who can vote for me in this primary are unaffiliated and Republican voters. If you're an unaffiliated voter, you have to request a Republican ballot, and that's where you'll find my name on the ballot. I'm the first one to announce for governor. I'm the first one to file for governor. And I'm the first name on the ballot. And if they feel strongly about this, they can work a poll. They can take one of our yard signs and make a little sandwich board out of it. We have these push cards that we'll be getting out to the districts. And I think they'll be amazed of how many people who will walk up to them and say, I got him. I got you. Thumbs up. It's a very encouraging process on on Election Day. And, of course, I need their votes, but also need their prayers and and their financial support. But that's how they can actually get involved. But it comes back to something I said in an earlier segment. Who would they hand their car keys to mm-hmm. because chances are they're going to drive to the polls. Who are they? Would they hand their car keys to the car keys of state government to run these important agencies of state government? Who would they hand their car keys to and come back four years later and that car not be repossessed and in better working condition than when they left it? And that's why I'm asking for their support. And Mr. Treasurer, I think so people will know your vote really does matter. There is no foregone conclusion in any of these races. You've had straw polls in the last few weeks, more than one. Well, that have shown you actually winning the race. I have. And these straw polls, like at the conservative leadership conference, I wasn't even there. I was 100 miles wow. away. I led that straw poll by 20 points. The straw poll that was took place up in Surrey County, I led it by 30 points. The debate in Charlotte, North Carolina with a Republican women's organization, he walked in with 61% and walked out with 13 because he didn't show up. This is what happens when you don't show up for your job. But since then, I've been honored to be, have the endorsement of just not only scenic, but grassroots government in North Carolina for health independence, former Governor Jim Martin, the Beaufort Observer, winning all these stroll polls. So there's a lot of momentum toward this race. And I'm so excited because, as I said earlier, the root word of governor to govern. The root word of conservative is to conserve, which should be fun. And lastly, just being able to be a leader that brings this state together and who can actually save and fix things is uh, super exciting. Well, I've never seen the kind of commitment to state employees that you have demonstrated in your tenure as treasurer. And we obviously, we're pulling for you. Scenic is going to do the work. I know that our members are asking what to do, so I'm glad you shared the kind of things they can do to help. Well, thank you. And if they if they don't have a yard sign on election day, we can just, probably get them one. So well, no, <laughs> well, just find one. Yeah. Yeah. Find one. And respectfully, on Election Day, just pull it up. It's no good there anyway anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe use the metal stake. And after we win the primary, they're going to need that sign after the primary for the general election. Or they can grow tomatoes on the spring. They can <laughs> they can take their choices. But, you know, working a poll and passing out these little pomp cards is very valuable to us. Well, I've been an unaffiliated voter since I got out of college, and I will be voting in the Republican primary this time for you. I think anyone who really takes a serious look at the the race and really doesn't vote with emotion and votes instead with what will benefit them and the state vote for you. This has been a really t- a big team effort. All of us, 
especially with my wife, Cynthia, who's going to be an amazing first lady. She's the best. And so being the best treasurer money can't buy what means that I've not taken the relationships that I have as a state treasurer and used it to finance a run for governor, number one. Uh, number two, you're, all of your listeners have heard this thing called State of the Union. Uh, the union's in peril uh, because of our federal government's being addicted to money. I don't think they've passed a budget this century. So as the next governor, I'm going to have to figure out mathematically how to protect our way of life and our society from a federal government that cannot live within its means, that continues to run deficits, and that is driving up the cost of everything for everybody. In saying that, it's important that all of the podcast folks know this. What I'm saying is the blame of both political parties. Both political parties are responsible for putting us in this financial mess. Oh, yeah, because our parties are run by big business. I mean, it is what it is. And that's who you had the guts to stand up to. So thank you so much for coming here today and talking about this run. It's a historic run. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. And I appreciate all you uh, folks uh, helping me out over the next couple of weeks in some way, shape or form. Just call your friend. How people are registered to vote is public record. If you have friends who are registered unaffiliated or Republican, please ask them to vote Falwell, the first name on the ballot, and help them get to the polls if that's necessary. So I hope that was as helpful for y'all as it was for us to get more educated on why these candidates are are the candidates Scenic is supporting. Don't forget, early voting starts February 15th, runs through March 2nd. The primary election day is March 5th. You can make the difference quite literally. Make sure you tell all of your friends and coworkers who Scenic is supporting. Let's get out the vote. Let's get out the vote for working folks and make sure your voices are heard.